0: Hello and welcome to The Boss Podcast. I'm Kirk Bailey and this is episode 60 of series 2 of The Boss Podcast. We're counting series 1 being everything before the relaunch, back at the start of 2020. So overall this is our 100th episode, bringing you talks from over 13 years of conferences held all over the world and online. This week we're changing things up a little bit and I'm here with Boss CEO, or is that The Boss Boss? I suppose that joke works better in written form because you see the single S and double S doesn't matter. I am here with BOSS CEO Mark Littlewood as we sit down and look back at Mark's journey with Business of Software. The Business of Software podcast, sharing sessions from our conferences and discussions with software people that will make you think. Find out more at businessofsoftware.org. So I know you're busy prepping for BossConf Online, so let's dive into finding more about you and the journey you've been on with Boss over the years. You've ran Boss for over a decade and this is Business of Software's 100th podcast episode, so just in case there's anyone out there who doesn't know who you are and what, what you do, do you want to give us a bit of backstory about you and the Business of Software?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm Mark Littlewood. I've been running business and software for uh, over a decade um, and uh, have been involved in tech and venture capital and investment and all sorts of things, um, for the last uh, 20 years or something. Um, I uh, knew a guy called Neil Davidson um, at uh, university. I taught him to row, which was about the one skill that he never mastered. Um, He's managed to do everything else in his life. Um, He co-founded a company called Redgate Software with uh, Simon Galbraith, uh, Grew that, um, didn't take any funding, just wanted to build a great business. And he got to a point where the company was 40 or so people, uh, was profitable, was growing. And he looked around the room and was like, I don't know how to run a business. Um, He wasn't doing a bad job at all. But uh, I'm sure a lot of people have
0: been there as well. And they know that feeling.
1: (laughs) I think everybody um, goes through life like that or they're lying um, or self deluded um, <laughs> so he kind of looked around and he was like well I don't really know what to do here um, I'd like to learn so I'll go to some conferences and uh teach myself and he looked around and there were lots of conferences for coders and there were lots of conferences for startups and lots of conferences for people that were raising funds and IPOing and all sorts of crazy old things um, but nothing really about actually the mechanics of growing a business and learning to be a ceo uh, that can lead a successful company so um, being a pretty amazing entrepreneur he decided to set that event up and he put a short list together of all the people that he wanted uh, to learn from um, in an ideal world and uh, got in touch with them and said hey i'm running a conference will you come speak and jeffrey moore and jason freed and Joel Spolsky from Fog Creek and all sorts of people um, said, absolutely, love to. And that's where Business Software started. Um, it was designed in a very different way to most events at that uh, point. It was very much a content-driven thing. It wasn't um, there to become a massive event. It was built to scratch an itch, build a network for Neil, help him learn from other people. And it took off. And he decided pretty quickly that uh, he wanted someone that uh, ran events to come in and do it. He was still co-CEO of the company he was running. And um, that's when he got in touch with me and uh, said, would I come and help him? And I did. And eventually have taken it on. Um, And the rest... It's not quite history because history is important stuff you learn at school. (laughs) So you've
0: come in and you've been running annual conferences since 2007 and then biannual conferences since 2014 when you launched um, the EU as well as the US conference. Correct. So this this will be an interesting question. Um, I'll be the judge of that. (laughs) I know some of your boss conferences can seem like children with the amount of time and care and you put into nurturing them. So if you were to ask to be you know to pick a favorite um i can understand that, that may be quite hard to do but are there any particular conferences or even individual talks which stand out to you as being
1: your favorite or most memorable so can i start with the most memorable in a bad way Please do. Um, Which um, was way back in 2011, I think. And we were running a conference in Boston. Uh, We'd taken a new um, venue on uh, because it was uh, growing and getting bigger and we couldn't accommodate everybody in the old uh, venue. Um, I... It was pretty interesting. Um, we had about 700 people signed up. Um, about three weeks before I realised I um, my visa had run out oh, uh, and I had to get a visa, I ended up spending 10 days in a really horrible hotel in Brussels uh, while um, the American Embassy in Brussels processed my visa application. Um, I got my visa two days before it uh, we had to fly That's um, so the run-in wasn't super chill um was going to get the flight uh, got on the flight and was actually on the on the runway about to take off had a call and my dad gone into hospital and was having a heart bypass oh, no. um and then flew off to and they were like oh don't worry it's all fine um and uh flew off to Boston um did the conference stood on the stage on the first morning and saw everybody and was like oh it's too big (laughs) and I couldn't see the corners of the room um and so there were some amazing talks and there were some amazing people but that really wasn't my that was really the experience that stands out as um being the least um, the least pleasant Um, and as a result of that kind of coming back and my dad's fine and he's um, well he's all he's all good and now 82 and uh, fitter than I am by quite a long way um, came back and we decided that actually we were going to keep the conference small that we didn't want to grow and we've never wanted to be the biggest conference in the world I guess there was that sort of slight reacting to market demand but ever since then we've had a conscious limit on the number of attendees um, and focused on quality people coming because there is a real value in having a high density of quality people in a room and there are it it becomes a less valuable thing if you get too big so um, Mm -hmm. it was certainly quite a pivotal pivotal point in the growth and development of the conference all of the conferences I I mean I love in different ways as you say they are my um, children and even the ones that had difficult births you forget (laughs) after a while Um, possibly my favorite possibly 2013 was really lovely in many many um respects it was smaller than the one from two years previously it was back at the seaport in the amphitheater there absolutely in a fantastic atmosphere and we had a number of talks that were I mean quite groundbreaking at the time one that uh, I come back to and and uh, a lot of people come back to was by a guy called Greg Bogus who talked about developers and entrepreneurship and depression um super super talk uh, one of the funniest yeah, things I've ever read seen um about depression um I mean laugh out loud entertaining um and he also had uh he he stood up at the beginning and he was like I'm Greg Bogus and I have bipolar and ADHD and I'm like doing my things as you're always doing at the conference and he was talking about bipolar and it was uh, quite I mean, it it, it absorbing and involving and, and, uh, and then he talked about ADHD and you know me being me, I thought he um, he must have missed a slide because he was doing the kind of okay, so this is the ADHD brain or this is the normal brain and this is the ADHD brain. And I thought I'd missed the normal brain slide because he put this thing up and I was like, okay so that's normal. So what's the ADHD brain? Like, <laughs> and I just thought I'd been distracted. Um, and that kind of got me thinking um so wonderful talk and and you know, rightly been um, talked about by lots of people and, and you know made a difference to people's lives um, and i've had messages from people who've who've read it at very difficult or watched it at very difficult times in their um their their life and it saved lives without over um, stating it but uh yeah the, the ADHD thing was an absolute hmm that's interesting and uh, my wife was with me in Boston I used to bring her over to to help run the event before she actually ran the event um and I remember getting into bed that night at the end of the day oh what a great day there were just you know lots of lovely things going on and really just as I kind of got into bed I was like oh that ADHD thing hmm that's interesting I think I might have that um, like, ha, ha, ha. And she looked at me and she was like, mm. yeah, and <laughs> the, conf- it's, the conference is really interesting. Sleeping is very odd in the evenings. Are, you're jet lagged, but there's lots of adrenaline going on and you're never quite fully switched off. And I remember waking up at about 3.30 in the morning um, thinking, mm, ADHD, ADHD. Right, must not wake up wife. So, got my laptop and went into the uh, into the bathroom in the uh, conference room. So, okay, I'll um, in the hotel room. I'll open up my laptop and uh, Google it. So, I opened up my laptop, and the next thing I kind of looked at the time, and it was seven o'clock, and I was still on Twitter, and I hadn't actually managed to Google it. <laughs> It's like, I'm pretty sure that's kind of part of the official diagnosis. So anyway, as a result, I'm now still married, which is great. And uh, yeah, you know, those are, those are definitely memorable moments, but there are always, you know, people often ask what the, what are the best talks? And actually, we get asked that a lot. Um, I've, we've just wrote, written a little blog with some of the best talks, but I'd like to think that I'm pretty good at finding things that will keep people engaged. Um, suddenly I realized that ADHD is my superpower. If I'm convinced someone will keep me um, watching something for an hour, everybody else is golden. Trust me. Um, so, yeah, there are always there are always kind of talks that really kind of bring you up and think. But it's I think it's the it's the little conversations and the little interactions that you have with people. It's the, it's the little things where people talk about how you've made a difference to them and you know, what the communities are about that really are the things that give you energy.
0: Yeah, there's quite a few talks that, although I, I, although I, I wasn't there, you know, because I didn't join BOSS until 2019, but there's a lot of talks that I've watched that I've, I've kind of watched and thought, I'm really thankful that they've actually done this talk because it's either mm. really helpful for me to to learn something new, or to see someone doing something that I want to do. Or you know, there's the, a lot to be thankful for in a lot of the talks, which is which is quite different from a lot of conferences.
1: Yeah, we uh, I'm not really big on the celebrity CEO thing or the. You know, the other one i talk about is the seven sexy secrets of SaaS success. Number eight will leave your jaw on the floor type. <laughs> um, you know, there is no playbook for any of this stuff. I think everybody's business exists and everybody's existence um, is very context specific and context dependent. Um, so it's very hard to say, right, do this and you will be successful. I think what we really try to do is get people to think about the questions they should be asking themselves. The answers are usually much easier to work out once you've done that. And that starts from what is good. And I think there is this orthodox narrative very driven by the venture capital community for very sensible economic reasons that part of the process of growing a business is raising money and growing and expanding as quickly as you possibly can and um, I don't think that is a very helpful narrative for a lot of a uh, lot of companies a lot of entrepreneurs and I'm seeing more and more people who are thinking in a different way and challenging that and thinking about the purpose and the why of their business thinking about is the purpose of their business to support their users? Well, that's usually a, um, you know, are you doing something good for the world and and are you providing a a service that is helping people do something that's meaningful, but uh, are you, do you exist to grow? Uh, or do you exist to help your stakeholders, your employees, your your customers do better things and and I'm seeing more more of this as we go as well. I remember Natalie Miguel's talk um, about her realization that her company had been growing and it's really successful. Um, super well known, super respected, super loved business, um, but she realised that she was feeding the growth monster, and um, has taken a step away from that and thought about doing things in a very different, different way. And and you know, I think the other person, obviously, that embodies this, um, you know, and is almost the spirit of of boss in in many respects, is Peldy from Balsamic. Um, a, just a great, great business, great community, does things exactly the way that they want to, and what they want to do is what they think is right, and that kind of comes through in everything that um, they've done, um, and he's done a couple of really interesting talks about that. I know the talk about the potential acquisition by Atlassian, which would have been a life-changing event for um peldi as an entrepreneur i mean significantly life-changing event um is a real insight into a different way of um thinking it's an, another one of my favorites mm-hmm. but i've got about 200 favorites really that's <laughs> what problem you're, you're, yeah. you're talking about <laughs>
0: Definitely. So um, one of the things that's been covered a couple of times at BOSS is imposter syndrome, and we touched on it earlier as well. And it's a, it's a very real um, issue, which affects a lot of people um, across the world. I remember my first few weeks at BOSS, and I mean, deer in the headlights doesn't even come close um, to describing <laughs> the overwhelming fear of being found out of, I don't know what I'm doing. So do you have do you, did you ever sit there at any of the conferences that you've been planning or doing and think what am I doing here I can't do this
1: um so I don't really suffer from imposter syndrome because imposter syndrome is one of those things that really successful clever people suffer from and I'm neither of those so um <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of attendees who would disagree <laughs> um, I, you know, I think it's, I always, always think that. I think people, I think it's, it. it's almost a natural state of uh, being. There are very few people that don't have imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few people that should have it, um, but uh, that's another, uh, another story. I think i kind of reconciled myself to the notion of being around very interesting clever thoughtful people that y- on many ways you can't measure up to but at the same time you kind of know that they all have their little um their little quirks and foibles Um, what was fascinating going back to the 2013 conference when greg spoke is that almost everybody that spoke after him you know having had that deeply engaging deeply moving conversation then put their hand up and said actually i've never said this before but i Suffer from depression, or I have this or that. Or I remember Scott Farquhar from uh, Atlassian was like, "Okay, this is the moment to 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 tell people." So I think being around people that are not afraid to talk about their, um, you know, their weaknesses and the darker side of being in business, in in and in, like we're all working through life together um trying to trying to kind of navigate away mm. so yeah i'm constantly feeling like i'm way out of my depth don't know what's going on but also there's something quite exciting about um the thought of being exposed um <laughs> the, the thrill of it <laughs> yeah, the thrill of being caught um there's probably something, something there, and it probably kind of keys into that kind of ADHD brain in a in a funny sort of way. But uh, yeah, I, I think we all experience it. It's really interesting when you hear people like Jason Cohen, who is a what five time successful, profitable company building entrepreneur with four exits and one very successful business that he's um, involved in now talking about it it's fascinating um when um you hear about that from all uh, sorts of different levels actually there was a lovely talk um last year from tiffany de silva amazing um, talk um yeah which really i think just sort of those sorts of things give people they empower people and they give people time to think and take a step back and and i think we can all relate to those sorts of things they're not um they're not unusual and you just have to get on with it okay
0: so on the flip side of that have you had any moments where you think yeah i got this i know what i'm doing
1: this is good so, there's a really great, um, hilariously funny um, American comedian called Stephen Wright. And um, I saw him live about 30 years ago or something. He's incredibly dry. And he has this line about you know, when you lean back on your chair and you're leaning back on your chair, and then all of a sudden you are overbalanced. Yeah. That's my entire life. <laughs> so that is my entire life um (laughs) it's such a such a kind of um evocative um line but uh I typically will come away from an event um my my Joe my wife will always you know just be nice to yourself be nice to yourself but I know it's always the what could we have done better what would we do differently um that uh, floods in but I, I'm making a more conscious effort to look back and go ah, let's celebrate um I mean literally when the when the event finishes in um in a venue and people are leaving the room I'm thinking about next year's the themes and the speakers and the things that we can we can do but uh, I think it is really important and I'm I'm consciously thinking about how I um, do it I think let's look at 2020 and that was something that you were part of Kirk and a massive part of it Um, this time last year because this is recorded in the second third week of March we were a week away from our first online conference um having announced it was fully online to oh look at your face you poor thing I I, I remember I remember that
0: day of, <laughs> I was you know up to up to my eyes and think that all the, the brochures and the pamphlets and all the printout stuff we were planning on and what um, a waste of time that was <laughs> <laughs> we just got um like the 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 proofs of the, the the giveaways of the the t-shirts um they just like arrived <laughs> and so we were having all this kind of stuff i was just looking around at all this stuff going oh no and i had paddy on the other side of the camera going oh no <laughs> for a whole different reason <laughs> but um yeah actually interestingly on the day that we we're recording this this is exactly one year since we started working from home it was the tuesday the 17th um of march 2020 that we left the the boss office um and and set up in in our in our homes for an undisclosed amount of time which has now become just a part of everyday life now
1: (laughs) yeah i mean it it would it's one of the things we'll be talking about a Boss Spring is, is the future of the workplace and the future of the office and um, what that actually looks like. The, the conversations I'm having with entrepreneurs now are uh, no one is really expecting office life to return to uh, what it is. A lot of people have said we expect to Maybe double the number of employees we have, but not change the size of our offices because work patterns are um, changing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think the last year has been um, quite, I mean, you know, a, there was a kind of Cambrian explosion or a, um, what's the one where all they, they all died. We had three options kind of coming out of our first uh, online event. One was Curl Up and Die, um, which was a pretty attractive option <laughs> on <laughs> many levels. It crept across no. mind as well, that <laughs> option. <you know? laughs> our entire business was hire an expensive room, get people to pay to come into it, shake the room up, send people away. Um, so we could die. Um, we could put our hands over our ears and go la 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 hold our breath and hope that something will change in a month or something and it will be okay and that's not a very same way of doing things or we do what we did which is say okay we've always talked about online let's think about how it becomes our main thing for let's say two years or five years so we're just totally focused on it and what can we do that is valuable is useful uh, is a sustainable business and and coming out of that when we switch physical events back on happy days we've got a better business it's stronger and we've got two different sets of things that we're doing and it was pretty brutal and um, I think there were three months when we didn't sell a single ticket for the conference and, something um, but I think we've, we came out with the masterclasses and the format for the masterclasses seems to be far better than a master, so a real world masterclass is hire a room in Holiday Inn with nice fluorescent lights, get everybody to travel, come and drink rubbish coffee, listen to a lecture, uh, in a darkened room and then do exercises and at some point in the day your brain is full and so any more information that comes in there's something going out um and but you have to do it at a day because everyone's traveled and time is time is precious online means that we have a different format and I think the idea of giving people that lecture and some reading and and a little bit of work to do in their own time beforehand means that people do that bit at their own pace and then we run two two two-hour sessions separated by a say a week and those are focused on discussion and problem solving and it's a much much more effective way of learning for people so there are there are lots of things i think that kind of come out of this that are exciting and will be doing more of in the future not because we can't do physical events because we can but i think you know we serve a very different market and a very different uh solve a, a different set of challenges for people which is exciting bounce it back at you your experiences
0: um, I suppose I've come in at a, a lucky point in Bossy's history, whereas you just came back from Boss USA, and so you just travelled back from Boston in 2019, which was your last in-person conference. So I had all the the fun and joys of of planning an in-person event, and then not having to actually go through with it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I have a very very different my viewpoint is very different um, mm. from what everyone else in boss had to had to see what was going on um, at the same time. So in that way, I really enjoy the online format. I think it it, it works really well. It's much easier for people to kind of engage with mm. um, because even the introverted people, if they really, you know, if they are feeling a bit extra shy or whatever, they can turn off their camera, but still be part of the, the class and still be there and be present yeah. without having to be on show. And for some people, even like, you know, going to the Holiday Inn and even if it has a dark room, you know, they're in clothes that they think people should see them in. So they're not comfortable and they're in an environment that they're not comfortable with because they don't know it or they've had to travel however far. And it can be it can be quite alienating to go into a room full of people you don't know when you're not comfortable. Yeah. Um, yeah so being able to do right. so, so being able to learn and get access to some amazing people um, and speak to the other attendees who are also, you know, really smart um, mm. and really thought provoking people and do that from the comfort of your own home and your own security blanket. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I I I agree. You do know, by the way, that we've never actually run a physical event. All we did before you joined was spend time putting Photoshop pictures together. I've seen your graphic skills. I don't believe that. that <laughs> oh damn! <laughs>
0: oh <dang. laughs> I think it's it's
1: it's one of the things that I hadn't expected about the online stuff. We've always been very consciously thoughtful about how we can make things introvert-friendly. And I think one of the nicest pieces of feedback that I had from an attendee one year was these are the three days in the year where I am an extrovert. That's kind of coming from a place of people feeling that they can have those conversations and they feel comfortable doing it. Um, One of the things we do in the physical events is we have quiet tables for lunch, And what's fascinating about those is they are almost invariably the noisiest tables. But having a big sign saying, quiet table, you don't have to talk to anybody, you can just sit and have your lunch, attracts a certain group of people who always have really interesting things to say, but they're in a space where everyone else is in that kind of mindset, and it just goes to show how uh, how much they have got to say, and what intelligent and positive contributions that people um, have in those in those situations if you give them the right space. And I'm not a psychologist, and I'm not some kind of you know mind bending thing, but a lot of what we do and think about. Putting together both physically and uh, online is around almost tricking people into behaving in a slightly different way and hopefully a more thoughtful way and more open open way. But that again, that's one of those really lovely things about boss. I think people come or people go to a lot of events and conferences and big things and multi-stage events with exhibition halls. And when everyone's kind of on broadcast mode and look at me, look at me, I'm great. We're doing this, we're launching that, we've raised this, we're um, doubling our revenue, employee count, whatever, every month. Uh, And I think boss people in those environments might do that as well. I don't think that's their natural comfort zone. I think when people come to boss, they come on listen not broadcast mode and that there's some some things we do to encourage that but um, it's also a kind of a natural um, state of the mind of the people that come I think it's great sticking with the the kind of online format for a moment
0: if Mm. you could go back to the start of 2020 so before you had to pivot and turn everything online yeah is there anything you would have done differently or would you have just done the, the the same as what you what you did to do
1: so, so that's an interesting question. I think there's different. Knowing what I know now, absolutely. You know, I think I certainly went through a quite difficult period mentally, emotionally. I sort of was like, great, you know, on one level, I've got this thing and this is the opportunity to do this stuff. But oh my goodness, it was exhausting. You know? I mean, it, it really was. You know, we'd come through uh, 2019 was a pretty good year. 2020 was looking was looking great it was all kind of coming together and then there was that kind of drip 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 of it not I think I would have been aware and so if I if we were starting that year again knowing what we know now I think you know number one thing we know it's going to be okay um, and we can be much more much more sure of that I think thinking about OK, what does this mean, not just for the event, but actually what does this mean for the company and the people in it? I think, you know, you are in a difficult environment working in a small space you've got a massive house now but uh
0: let's well, not get carried away it's not massive it's just got got a couple of extra rooms where we can work now <laughs> rather than being you know, on top of each other on the dining table and yeah. not being able to have a,
1: have a sit-down dinner for the, a year <laughs> um so you know but it's 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 hard and, and I was at home working on the kitchen table we had two children that were being homeschooled so there's just all of those all of those kind of Things that I think, you know, knowing that you're going to get through that and there are solutions to that and probably addressing them much quicker would have been helpful to know. I was very, very keen that we didn't cut people. I think, you know, we've got a really small, super team and I know, tempting, you know, on one level. And I know a lot of organizations have have um, put people on furlough. I don't think that's a I mean we could have, and we would have done less, and we would have not come out in the same way as a, a result. I'm, I'm you know, we're blessed. We haven't over expanded. We haven't been on a on a huge hiring spree, a hiring tear to to do things. We haven't been reliant on ever increasing, fifty you percent, know, hundred percent year on year growth, um, which you know, some. Event businesses have been on that incredible tear, and they collapse, and and you know that's a uh, a difficult a difficult thing. But uh, I think being more more focused, and I think being more conscious that remote is probably how it's going to be forever. And I think I was probably quite quite reticent to talk about that. I mean, partly because the thought of it kind of filled me personally with dread but um I don't think it's but I think it's like kind of addressing that within the business I think would have been a um a thing I'd do do differently but but overall I think we came a long way last year um and have come out stronger as a result and um yeah I'm really kind of quite excited about this year really how about you what what would be what would I have done
0: differently over yeah. the past year? I I don't really know. Like like I said, everything that I've done at Boss has been, other than the first kind of month or two, was mm. has been geared towards online learning. And you know, Paddy, um, who was up in Manchester, so even my line manager was remote. Yeah. So having that remote aspect has been ingrained into to my boss adventure from day one. And it is, it's it's very strange that. Like, I've only been in the same room as as Paddy for, what, 10 days out of my entire yeah. <laughs> my um, entire year and a half of, of being here. But as someone who I worked with very closely every single day, I think knowing that we were going remote at the start of 2020 and knowing mm. that that would have been the forever plan would probably have changed my mindset a bit quicker because it is something that, you know, we ended up having... The, We didn't have to move we were already thinking about moving house anyway
1: Mm. but it changed
0: it changed our parameters for what we were looking for because it wasn't just a matter of it would be nice to have a spare room it's we need a spare room and an office (laughs) um so yeah it changed it changed our life um quite dramatically and we needed to have a space that wasn't just big enough for me to work but also for my partner to to work at the same time it's not just that it needed a small room or you know a kitchen table which we could you know set up in the corner we needed a a full office space for us both to be able to to work from home so yeah i think getting into that remote mindset would have been the thing that i would have Mm. geared towards quite quickly so easy in retrospect isn't it (laughs) of course everything is I would have bought stock in Zoom, like from word go. (laughs) I wouldn't need to be working here anymore if I'd done that. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, but you would, Kirk, you see. It's the love, it's the love. it would be much more Um, of a hobby at that point. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Microsoft have got this um, group of people that have been there since the very, very early days, and I know some of them are still engaged and still sort of work. Mm. and they're incredibly hard and fly around the world doing stuff but um, they're known internally as the volunteers because they've made so much money I you know and some of them are still around kind of 25 yeah. 30 years later that they have this sort of this great thing and are, and are doing it we're not we're not quite there yet
0: <laughs>
1: no, but th- there are companies who
0: have have come out of 2020 much stronger than they went into it because they Mm. they provided something that was needed and something that the whole world needed all at the same time yeah i I remember reading that you know the zoom had to increase their servers it was like 300 percent every week for about two months because they were just being
1: inundated with new with new registrations there's some really interesting alumni businesses have been through uh, business software conferences and, and uh, gone through the uh, process. And now I can't find it casually as I, ah, here we are. So there's a Google Docs, you can just kind of track company stocks and do a, a calculation. But there's six companies between them that founders have well, been to boss more than once. and. Um, not all of them have spoken but shopify Lassian, constellation software mimecast hubspot and twilio um, have gained 221 billion dollars market cap it's almost wow. a quarter of a trillion dollars in the last 12 months which is pretty staggering yeah they're sort of, and that's, you know, they've been settling down over the last month or so, but uh, mm. yeah, there are certainly certainly some pretty um, interesting businesses and, and lots of private ones as well. Lots of, lots of um, companies like know, Zapier, um, Duist, any of the um, online collaboration enablement tools, all those sorts of things have been... Um, in a in a great position but uh, I think we're very lucky in the software industry in that I think there are clearly a lot of different sectors everyone has been affected in some way shape or form by what's been going on in a terrible situations worldwide but um, we on the whole are knowledge workers and reasonably tech savvy and um, a lot of companies are actually targeting and focused on solving problems that more and more people are having so that's a good thing
0: yeah well we're reminiscing in in hindsight if you were to go
1: even further back all the way to
0: 2006 before your first boss conference hmm. what
1: would you tell yourself um first thing i think would be (laughs) jump at the chance to go to the first one and kneel and invited me and I was doing something that felt quite important at the time. But if I'd realised quite what a life changing experience it would have um, been to, to go to that, I would have made different plans in that first year, I think have the courage of my convictions. Be clearer about laying out a position and a position for uh, what we're about, and talking about you know, why we why we exist. Don't overexpand. Uh, I think we probably could have grown in different ways earlier on um i think there is this magic thing about a relatively tight group of people um, where you have this kind of high density of quality of people i always say um it's better to have 25 brilliant people in a room of 30 than 200 brilliant people in a room of 300 and it's about the math and the the higher the density of People that are sparky and interesting, the more likely you are to bump into other other people. And I think you know, doing more things that really focus on that, connecting those smart people, and and thinking about um, how we get them to interact more um, would be a bigger thing. I'd also have done more online stuff earlier. Now I've realised what a useful thing it was. It was never quite the priority, but. Um, I, I mean, I think for a significant group of people in our community, the online stuff is is way more energising, way more valuable. So, yeah. Tell me, if you could step into my shoes right now,
0: as in you're sat in front of Mark Littlewood, CEO of Business of Software, what would
1: you ask you? Mm. Oh, Kirk, that's a good question. Thinking very quickly on my feet, what's, what are you most proud of about business software?
0: It sounds, sounds good. And that was ironic. And 100%, honestly, that was my next question.
1: <laughs> um, I think the thing I'm most proud of is the difference we've made um, to people's lives. And that sounds very soft, but it's the things that you hear. And we talked about Greg's, Talk before, I've had messages from people who literally have said they watched that and they feel it saved their life. Um, You can't have much more impact on someone than that, but I think, you know, we've helped people think about the the challenges. um, We've played a part in uh, a very small part in um, helping some really, really great businesses that have huge impact on the world get going. We um, actually have made a difference to some of the speakers as well, and some of the speakers that deserve a voice and are super interesting people. I think maybe my proudest thing, so this is Badass, Cathy um, Sierra's book, and in the acknowledgements, um, you, I... I get mentioned and Business as Software uh, gets mentioned in the first paragraph as this wouldn't exist without these people. And I think this is a, it's a super valuable read. It's a super important book. I think Kathy is one of the most amazing human beings out there. I think we were very instrumental both as a community and, me as a conference organizer in getting her back into uh, public speaking Uh, and I think I know we've made a difference because of that but yeah it's it's the it's the softer things I think it's the things that make a difference so yeah those are things that you remember
0: awesome Mark it has been a pleasure as always I mean, I'm sure listeners are very aware of who you are now, uh, but where can they get in touch with you or connect with you online?
1: I have a very uh, anonymous online presence. Um, I'm Mark Littlewood. Um, I know that's always amusing for Americans. Um, M-A-R-K-L-I-T-T-L-E-W-O-O-D on Twitter, on LinkedIn. I'm mark at businesssoftware.org. So yeah, find me there. I think I'm that on Facebook, but I haven't been to Facebook since September. So um, don't message me there. Hopefully people left me birthday messages. what <laughs> would be really bad as I go back to Facebook like one day and I kind of look at them. It's so, like, okay, I'm gonna go for whatever reason. And literally no one said happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> it <would> be awful. <laughs>
0: um, before we wrap up, we have BossConf Online.spring coming up on the 26th and 27th of April 2021. Do you want to say a quick something about it before we go?
1: Yes, but only in preparation for the quick something that you're gonna say that's much better and corrects my mistakes. Uh yeah, we're really excited about it. It's the third online event we've done. I think we have got a format that brings together some fantastic talks We've got Wade Foster from Zapier, Amir Salafahendik from Doist. We've got uh, Joel Gascoigne from Buffer, all sorts of really, really interesting people who are talking about growing, running a remote business, continuing to grow, thinking about resetting the values and the goals and the objectives for their businesses. We've got Yodit Stanton, who's talking about the future of work and the workplace. Uh, She's got some really interesting things to share about different approaches to what the office is going to look like. We've got Scott Birkin talking about why designing, uh, design is important and why it's not something that you should rely on people with silly glasses to uh, do. Design is a really important part of everything. Simon Wardley, I'm really excited about. He has developed this uh, strategy tool called Wardley Maps. No idea where you got name from, but it's an open source tool to help you understand the world that you're living in, what you're good at, what you're not, and how you can uh, get to be a long-term sustainable business. Um, And the talks are always designed online to be interactive and collaborative, not broadcast uh, and that's something I'm excited about I think more important than the talks don't tell the speakers I think the breakouts and the birds of a feather sessions and things like that are super interesting just because you get to spend time with just incredibly bright people some experts but um, small groups of people where you can share problems and I also think it'll be fun
0: um, but yes, head over to businessofsoftware.org slash spring to grab your tickets for the conference coming up. And that's on the 26th and 27th of April, 2021.
1: Thank what was much. that date? Was it the 26th and 27th of April?
0: 26th and 27th of April, 2021. Wow. That's great. Let me
1: just say that again in case I forget. 26th and 27th of April. <laughs> I should mark it in my calendar now. Kurt, this is lovely. We should do this like every day. I really enjoyed that. Thank you.
0: There we have it. Bossy's own Mark Littlewood for you on this, our 100th official podcast episode. We'll be back to normal next week with another amazing talk from the Boss Archive. See you next time. Don't forget you can get regular Boss goodness delivered straight to your inbox with the Boss newsletter. Visit businessofsoftware.org slash updates to sign up for free. Thanks for listening to the Business of Software podcast. For more information, go to businessofsoftware.org.